Boy, I'll tell you, these mild temperatures that we are going to enjoy for the next week or two definitely will be bringing out people that want to enjoy the outdoors, maybe get out on the ice, do a little bit of ice fishing. We certainly know the cold weather froze the lakes. You still have to make sure that you know where you're driving and and know the lake that you're on, of course, to make sure you're safe. But at the end of the day, we did have a cold snap that helped us in terms of the thickness of the ice for people that are heading out ice fishing. And speaking of that, this weekend, it was one of those posts that went viral. And I'm not on Facebook very much, but it got sent to me by a couple of people saying, hey, if this is true, you have to talk about this on your show. And it was a post of an ice fishing shack made out of a plane, an airplane. And so I'm looking at the pictures. There was one that I'm like, I don't know if this is like, you don't want to get sucked into it, right? You have to be skeptical of things that you see online. But, but I had friends who have cabins out at last mountain Lake saying, absolutely. This is a thing. Well, apparently, as we do the little bit of checking into it, a group of four friends have taken an old plane, spruced it up a bit, and are now using it as an ice fishing shack on Last Mountain Lake. I'm sure you can find the pictures online on Facebook. Lee Soretsky joins me. He is one of the owners of the plane, and uh, he was gracious enough to take the call. Captain Lee, thanks for taking the call this morning. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so where did you guys find this plane? Uh marketplace where else <laughs> is that right it was just a, a plane that was for sale and like had you yeah am i right in saying it's you and, and three buddies that bought this thing yeah derek jordan jonah and i okay so yeah. had you had you set out looking for a plane or did it pop up and you thought hey i think we can do something with that yeah it's just the uh yeah it popped up i think the marketplace algorithm whatever is uh whatever i got there must be dialed right in so yeah, showed up on my feed one day. So, you know, I've seen the pictures online. What kind of condition was it in when you got your hands on it? Uh, it was pretty rough on the inside. Like, all the seats were stripped out, insulation hanging all over. But, uh, yeah, it was all intact, for, like the shell and everything. Had a silicone window in, but, yeah, it's perfect for what we wanted. <laughs> so what kind of work? I noticed you've got, like, some kind of skis or skids on it. What kind of work did you have to do to get it ready? Yes, yeah, so we cleaned it all out, uh, got it spray foamed by a guy in Lumsden, uh, Greener Solutions. And then uh, we I made a aircraft carrier for it, with some drill stem and an axle. And then we made some uh, skis out of some C-channel, just uh, bolt right on where the tires go once we get to the lake, and uh, made front ski for it. And then bus seats and a couple captain's chairs and diesel heaters, <laughs> and away we go. I, lo- I love it. The one picture, Lee, that I saw online, it's like dark or dusk, and you've got the it looks like a glow coming from inside through the, oh, yeah. through the cabin. Yeah. It's the most beautiful picture. That's what actually made me think it wasn't a real thing. So yeah. do you have lights inside? Yeah, we got some LED strips on the top, and then we got some uh, underglow ambiance lighting, so we can change the colors and do whatever. <laughs> okay, and have you used it? Yeah, yeah, we caught uh, what did I catch quarter pound walleye there, and my dad caught a decent sized pike right up right up, right up front. So that's about it so far. We're does, working on it. Does this rig have a name? Uh, we're thinking uh, Ice Force One. <laughs> you know, nice family friendly name. Not a hundred percent sure, but I think that's what it's going to be. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. So it does look decked out. You've talked a little bit about what you had to do to, you know, put some some skis on it, some skids on it, and stuff. But inside, yeah. have you got any other amenities in there that uh, make it a little more homey for you? 
nothing yet. Uh, we were we were throwing around the idea of a drink cart, but uh, it's kind of in the way. Maybe you you, you must get uh, other fishers coming up and wanting to see inside and talk to you. Yeah, there's been a handful of people so far, about 10, 15 or so. Yeah, I, I assume there's going to be more in the future. We'll see. Yeah, and you've got it at Last Mountain. Is that where you've got it? Yeah, sitting on Last Mountain on uh, Pelican right beside everybody, so we could uh, hit the hit the internet hard. <laughs> well, there was just a report, actually, an email came out this morning. Last Mountain Lake is right now in the top spot for the best fishing destinations in Canada for 2024, according to Fishing Booker, the world's largest online platform for finding and booking fishing trips. So it's literally, like, we're not talking in the top 10. We're talking number one. So has that been your experience? Uh, I'm assuming you've fished out at Last Mountain for a while. Fishing that good out there? I mean, it's uh, it's decent. I would, yeah, it's, it's, it's treated me well. Well, they've got some some big names, Lake Ontario on here, the Bow River in Alberta, Lake Dauphin in Manitoba. These are all on there if you go on Fishing Booker on their website, but Last Mountain Lake is right there. And and now, if we're talking ice fishing, you can go out there and see a, a plane. Do you have other people throwing shacks up close to your plane just to be just to be in the area for the photo op, if nothing else? Yeah, there's, there's a couple, and uh, we got a, we have our other shack out there for so we can put the kids in there, get some peace and quiet. <laughs> well, Lee, I love it. This is the ingenuity that Saskatchewan is known for. Lee Soretsky, my guest, uh, one of the owners of the the plane shack. What did you say? Ice Force One, potentially the name for it. Yeah, Ice Force One. Yeah, we like to refer to ourselves as the Wrong Brothers. <laughs> and the jokes just keep writing themselves, Lee. Thanks yeah. so much for giving us some time today, and uh, we look forward to seeing updates and additions that you make to your ice shack uh, as we watch you through Facebook. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks. All right, thanks so much, Lee Soretsky, uh, the guest, one of the owners of this plane converted into an ice fishing shack on Last Mountain Lake. You can check it out. We'll grab it, maybe throw it on our Facebook page as well uh, so that you can find it, but it's pretty easy to find. Um, and yeah, it's just, as you heard Lee say, they grabbed this plane off of Facebook Marketplace. It was in very rough shape. The inside gutted. The outside even needed a little bit of work. A window needed to be fixed. They've fixed up now. It's basically just the kind of the fuselage of the plane, but they they spray foamed it so that it's it's insulated and warm inside. They put some bus benches and captain's chairs in there, and they use it as an ice fishing shack. So cool. I mean, you see people that are using like those uh, pickup trailers that fit on the back of a of a half ton. You, you see people convert those into ice fishing shacks. I'm curious to know if if you've seen something on Saskatchewan's lakes that is worth talking about in terms of an ice fishing shack. Maybe you've got a unique idea or you've seen one that you would like to talk about. Let's chat about it. one 332 8255 If you are someone that likes to get out on the ice and do a little bit of fishing, let's hear about your unique ice fishing shack idea. Maybe you saw it somewhere. Maybe it's yours. You built it. Open up the phone lines for you at one 332 8255 Ice fishing stories when we come back on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Oh, we're talking about ice fishing shacks and love to hear any stories you want to share about that awesome ice fishing shack that you saw out on the lake or maybe you built it. one 332 8255 We're talking about it because there's now a plane 
being used as an ice fishing shack out on Last Mountain Lake. We just had Lee Soretsky join me, who is one of four buddies who went on Facebook Marketplace, found the plane <laughs> that was for sale, and it's obviously a, a wrecked plane. doesn't have wings on it, but you can tell, obviously, what it is. It looks like it's about a 12-seater. I don't know, but they bought it and basically did a series of things to it to make it a cozy, great ice fishing shack for a number of people. He's caught a few fish in it. Yeah, it's great. If you want to check it out again, you can you can go online. It's on Facebook. Uh, we're going to throw it up on our Facebook page as well, just so that you can take a look at it. What about what about you? Have you got a great ice fishing shack that you've seen out on the lake? I drove by the uh, on the weekend. Drove by Katepwa and uh, kind of mission down in that area through Fort Capel. There were a few people out, but there wasn't a lot of shacks. And I don't know if it's just that people are you know being cautious because of the ice. Or uh, maybe there's not a lot of fish there right now. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Brian in uh, Saskatoon texted in said, "Hey Evan, there's lots of industrious people living in this province. When I used to live in Estevan, I went with a friend to his buddy's shack on Boundary Dam. He had a generator going for heat and power. Inside was a bench, chairs." used a six-inch chainsaw to cut a hole out. It was like watching TV. There was a cook stove in there, a rear bunk bed. It was like a home away from home. That's pretty nice. That's pretty good. You know, I can't say I'm the most experienced ice fisher, but, uh, you know, I I think I would want to be comfortable when I went. I've only done it a couple of times in my life, and it wasn't the best. It was a very cold day. It was really windy, and Saskatchewan lakes, the wind tends to tends to whip down the lake. So, yeah, I don't I don't have a lot to draw on when it comes to I do a lot of I like fishing in the summertime, but I don't do a lot of winter fishing. Do you? One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. If you have an ice fishing shack you want to talk about and you want to uh, share it, I'd be more than happy to hear about it. We're going to leave the phone lines open on this one, and we'll uh, continue this conversation as your your texts and thoughts come in. Earlier today, we chatted with uh, Lisa Schick, senior reporter for our radio station, who's spending a few weeks in Melford at the James Smith Cree Nation inquest. She was there all week last week, and we had her check in with us every morning right off the start on the show to give us an update on what the evidence was that they were hearing at the inquest and uh, what type of testimony was was being presented to the jury, because ultimately it's the jury that will make the decision in terms of recommendations that might come out of this. Yesterday started week two of this three-week-long inquest, and uh, yesterday one of the things that that was talked about there was the fact that Miles Sanderson was was wanted at the time this rampage happened, and there was lots of discussion, and, and yesterday actually police officers testifying as to why he potentially hadn't been arrested on that warrant. The reality is, and it was uh, Staff Sergeant Ryan Howe, the RCMP's Saskatchewan Enforcement and Response Team, so CERT, that's one of the new new teams in the last year that the province has stood up, he explained why Sanderson actually wouldn't even been among the 60 most wanted people in the province at the time. So they, they've got a bit of a matrix where they assess people based on their risk to the community. And Miles Sanderson had absolutely 
risk to the community and take the the tragic incident that happened on September the 4th out of it. Uh, he had demonstrated violence in his past. Um, he had disobeyed court orders in his past. But I think what this illustrates to us, if he wasn't prior to the James Smith cremation incident, if he wasn't in the top 60 most wanted people in the province, it tells us that there's a lot of people in this province that are out on warrants that are on conditions that they're not following that are a danger to public safety. And that probably sounds alarming to a lot of people, but it's, you know, it's, I think, I think about the warrant reduction strategy that we had at the Regina police service. So every year, a couple of times a year, we would report through the Regina board of police commissioners in a public meeting, the work that was being done to try and eliminate the number of warrants in our city. At any given time, right now in the city of Regina, I'm going to guess there's somewhere about 4,500 warrants. So in a city our size, on average, we would have 4,500 warrants. That actually might not be 4,500 people, though. That could be one person with three warrants, right, for example. So the number of wanted people usually will be smaller than the number of warrants in the community, but... What the strategy at the Regina Police Service and, and lots of police officer or police agencies work this way is they take the ones that are a very low risk. Some people have a warrant because they've got unpaid parking tickets. They've, you know, not showed up to court for a seatbelt ticket. Those are, are fairly low risk warrants. And often those people through a phone call can be identified. Do you know that you have a warrant? Oh, Oh, I knew I, I knew I was supposed to go to court. I lost the, the piece of paper. I'd, I missed the court date. That type of thing happens. And so what they'll often do is they'll just reschedule them a court date. So literally you can clean up warrants and there's a whole section of people, uh, that work at the, at the Regina Police Service, for example, who maybe have a broken leg or for some reason can't be out on full duty. They work in different capacities. And one of them is on this warrant reduction strategy. So to try and dig into those warrants. And then on the other side of it is you have what I would call the higher risk warrants, people that have warrants for, you know, whether it be violence in the community, it could be robbery, it could be a, a bunch of different things. Those ones will be assigned to police officers. If it's really bad, they will be actively worked on until the person is located. But but what might happen is a person could have a warrant for a crime that they committed Um even if it's a criminal code offense, it doesn't mean that 24-7 someone is out there looking for that person. Oftentimes it goes to warrant status because they can't be found. If, if you know, a police officer responds to a call of a threatening and the person reporting it can tell who the person is that did the threatening and there's evidence to support it, if we can't find that person, the police will then go and ask for a warrant. And if the warrant is granted, if the grounds exist and the warrant is granted, then the warrant is on the system so that any police officer that comes across that person will know to arrest them. And so lots of times warrants are on the system by people that have committed crimes but never been arrested and held, basically held to account for the crime that they committed. So when I, when I heard that Miles Sanderson wouldn't even have been among the 60 most wanted people in the province at the time, I'm not shocked by that. Now, after the event happened, you know he was the most wanted person in the province. A three-day manhunt continued. At one point, we thought he was in the city of Regina, but that manhunt continued until he was found. So again, that's that matrix that they talked about, assigning a point system that directly responds and, and correlates with how much safety 
uh, risk is involved for the community as well. But warrants are, uh, they're an ongoing challenge. And, and so, you know, I, I think it's things like this that come out at the inquest that are valuable and helpful for, for people to understand. In some cases, it might be alarming for people, but I think generally it's important for the public to understand how our justice system works. In some cases, maybe some of the shortfalls that happen. And that's that's what an inquest is all about. And it's from that that you will see jury recommendations. And maybe we'll get one with regard to high-risk warrants on the system from the jury. Uh, those are the types of things that we'll continue to follow as this inquest into the James Smith cremation unfolds. You're listening to The Evan Bray Show on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.